This is the Horse Radio Network. Hi, I'm Jennifer Wood. And I'm Jennifer Connor. From Equestrian Businesswomen, and you're listening to Equestrian B2B, the podcast that brings together industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and equestrians for conversations about how they build and sustain a successful business. On today's show, we speak with Vanelli Bajkova, Executive Vice President, and Lenore Brown, Director of Sponsorship of Wellington International, home of the Winter Equestrian Festival and the 2023 EQBW Networking Brunch, about how they manage and work with a team for success. For more than 15 years, Vanelli Bajkova has been part of coordinating and ex- executing many equestrian events throughout the country, including the Rolex Central Park Horse Show. She has also overseen project management of building various venues. Vanelli grew up in Virginia and graduated from James Madison University with a bachelor's degree in business administration with a focus on hospitality and a minor in human resources. Although her career originally began in the golf industry, her profession has always been driven by her passion for sports and the experience surrounding the competitions. In her current role as Executive Vice President of Wellington International, Vanelli leads a team of more than 40 full-time managers and hundreds of seasonal employees. She oversees the general logistics of the venue operations for the Winter Equestrian Festival and Adequan Global Dressage Festival, and many events hosted at Wellington International throughout the year. This summer, she looks forward to a few trail rides with her colleague, Lenore. She has to start someday. Lenore Brown has been a professional in the equestrian industry for over a decade and has served in many different roles. Lenore was raised on her parents' horse farm in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and showed extensively in the hunter and jumper divisions as a junior. Lenore's professional career in the equestrian industry includes working for top professional riders, managers, and veterinarians. Before coming to Wellington International, Lenore was the president of Phelps Media Group, where she honed her passion of using out-of-the-box thinking to create effective relationships for clients and partners. Still a competitive equestrian, Lenore competes in the jumper divisions and resides in Wellington, Florida. This week's episode is sponsored by Dr. Darby Bonomi, sport and performance psychologist. Dr. Bonomi is well known to our West Coast listeners and equestrian community. Dr. Bonomi's practice focuses on elite and amateur equestrian athletes, professionals with demanding businesses, competitive junior riders, and their families. She also works with equestrian industry leaders and other high-performing individuals in athletics and business. Her mission is to help her clients show up fully and effectively in every moment, both in and out of the show ring. Thank you to Darby for being an active part of our community and for sponsoring Equestrian B2B. You can find out more about Dr. Bonomi or connect with her at www.darbybonomi.com. Buy your ticket today for the 2023 Equestrian Businesswomen Networking Brunch in Wellington, Florida. The Equestrian Business Women Networking Brunch will be held on Sunday, March 26, 2023, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. in the Wellington Club at Wellington International, home of the Winter Equestrian Festival. Mingle, talk, and listen to an inspiring speaker with delicious brunch food and champagne. Mark your calendar and join us on March 26. Buy your ticket today at www.eqbusinesswomen.com. Sponsor opportunities are also available. Hi, Vanelli. Hi, Lenore. We're really excited to have you on today um, to talk about, you know, your experiences and your roles. Um, I know Vanelli and I have worked together for a very long time uh, at the Winter Equestrian Festival, and Lenore and I um, have known each other for years and and worked together as well. So it'll be cool to talk to you guys. We've had friends on the podcast as well, like you know, girls that we rode on the equestrian team together back in college. Jen is actually my college roommate, and we rode on the equestrian team together. So this will be a fun conversation. Awesome. It's great yeah. to be here. 
Yeah. And we're also um, really excited to have the Equestrian Business Women Networking Brunch down uh, at Wellington International and working with you guys on that on March 26th. So that'll be really fun. We look forward to it. I'm super excited about it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's nice to have that come back. That was one of my favorite events when you guys did it before, and we're really proud to have it come back at our venue. Yeah. And hopefully look at, you know, doing even more in the coming years. So yeah, lots of plans. So um, getting started with our questions, uh, you know, one of the things that we realized when we looked at, you know, your bios and knowing your roles there and, you know, past roles that you've had was managing a team and working with a team is something that we haven't really talked with guests before about, um, you know, we've talked about employees and things like that, but, um, we thought that could be an interesting, um, topic for you guys as well. So we wanted to know, um, maybe Lenore, you can start, uh, what are some tips that you can give for developing the right team? Sure. Um, so, Working at uh, Wellington International is the first time I've been part of a really big team, Um, but I have had teams in my previous roles at Phelps Media Group and and been parts of teams um, when I was working as a groom and a rider and a manager, Um, but also I'm an athlete, so being a part of teams is really fundamental to me. That's something that was natural to me. So um, one of the things that I try to do when building a team or being part of a team is focusing on filling roles based on people's strong suits. So really honing in on what people are passionate about or what they're good at, and then placing them within that niche role on the team. Uh, Personally for myself, I find that that keeps everybody working in sync with one another and in parallel. And also it keeps people happy doing their work for longer and help sort of diminish the burnout, which is something that um, I think everybody can relate to, especially Mm -hmm. in the equestrian business, since we have non-normal work hours. uh, And Benelli and I have that definitely (laughs) now during the winter equestrian festival season. So those are the things that I I personally focus on. Um, I also believe that there's no such thing as over communicating. I think being in sort of constant communication about what's happening is really important and really helps keep people involved and working positively together. Yeah. And Vanelli, as we mentioned in your bio, like your team grows exponentially in the winter and, you know, you're kind of pulling teams together in different parts of the business under one big umbrella. Um, how do you kind of develop that and, and get the right people? Right. So um, like you've mentioned, um, we go anywhere from 90 full-time employees and upwards of 588 seasonal employees. So we can touch on that a bit later, but obviously a lot of that uh, kind of echoing a bit of what Lenore you know, is identified or identified and mentioned is, is also just honing in everyone's personality and kind of understanding the way they work and the way they like to be managed. Um, obviously working in a team, you're constantly having to encourage, uh, the willingness for people to work together with one another. And kind of, uh, I think that's a lot of the success that Wellington International has grown to achieve the past few uh, years and even more so this year as a team grows is just work together uh, collaboratively. And obviously, I think a lot of it is just encouraging a positive attitude. Yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. easy to get, <laughs> it's easy to, to start to weigh in on that we deal with a lot of conflict management and, and issues and things of like that when you're running a big operation. So just honing in, encouraging that people keep that positive attitude and that it translates to our customers and and really just having that flexibility and adaptive adaptability in the environment we're in. Yeah. Because again, whether it's, whether it's the horse show side or I think the operational side, there's constant changes. Right. So. And I think, you know, when you're dealing with seasonal employees, it's a lot of 
new faces every year. So you're not always getting the same people back and, and fitting the same team back together. It's finding new people. And um, so there's a lot of, you know, meeting new personalities every year and trying to fit them. And yeah. But I think maybe perhaps something that, you know, is important to note is that we're over probably a 65% return rate mm-hmm at least on our food and beverage operation from seasonal employees. So I think that's important to note that perhaps the environment and the culture that's continued to be built here is showing a good success rate of people coming back. That's great. And how do you think that's different dealing with the seasonal employees and working with them um, versus your full-time employees? Um, I would say the biggest difference is, is probably uh, having them embrace your vision and just kind of the commitment of the season and understanding the importance of servicing your customers and and seeing it through, right? Because it's easy to kind of see the end game and knowing for the seasonal employees that they won't be with us through the summer. But I think a lot of that is, you know, is seen by many of our return employees and they've cultivated some good relationships in their different departments, whether it's with their managers or their colleagues or just the people that they work for. So uh, I think it's positive uh, that they, they see that. And honestly, I think everyone uses that time in a seasonal perspective to kind of rest and recover and, and get ready for another big season. Yeah. And Vanelli, how do you handle um, hiring those seasonal employees? Right. So we uh, typically do host your traditional job fairs where we uh, call in people to, you know, specific dates that are hosted and our managers are on site to do, uh, you know, on the job uh, hiring. But we do that through traditional marketing and we reach out to our chamber organizations and universities and other local partners to spread and communicate the job opportunities that we have locally And um, we obviously do referral incentives. And this year we actually onboarded a great um, platform called Better Team. And that's used by many corporate companies in addition to hospitality. And we found great success. And it's just an online platform where people just submit their resumes. And we've kind of been able to hone in and uh, use that throughout the season as well. Do you have more applicants um, that apply for jobs than you have jobs available? Yes, uh, we do. I mean, I think, uh, you know, like I mentioned, uh, we're over 600 employees, probably 300 of which are more the hospitality element, which I tend to oversee more of. Uh, That seems to be a little bit more of a transient environment at times. You know, people come in and, you know, for different reasons, they may stay on or not. So I think it's important to always have that backup plan Mm. and we're used to having a lot of different outlets to just be ready for transition. Yep. And um, Lenore, you're director of sponsorship and, you know, we've talked to some people who are involved with different horseshoe horseshoe venues. Um, and I think a lot of people understand how important sponsorship is to events, but feel like, you know, they're always going to the well again of the same people and how hard it is to find new supporters or corporate sponsors to come in. Um, how do you generate new ideas for that, you know, to stand out and do things like, you know, deliver a return on investment and keep and attract new sponsors? I think the most important thing is keeping an open mind. I think, you know, just looking at businesses and saying, oh, well, they don't have anything to do with the equestrian industry is so limiting because there's so much that outside businesses can bring to equestrian sports and also introducing the demographic of the equestrian industry to outside businesses is really thrilling for me. I actually love bringing new businesses Uh, to the venue and giving them a tour and talking to them about what it is that we do, who it is that our audience is, and sort of all of the different verticals that we touch on. And really seeing their eyes light up because Mm. they get excited, which in turn helps to keep me excited about coming to work every day. I also think that equestrian sports is really amazing because there's so many different people that are involved in it. You know, you have kids, you have 
women. Um, you have dads that might be in business that can see the value in hospitality hospitality for equestrian sports for their business while their hmm. their wives and their kids are riding. Um, you know, it's just sort of the sky's the limit approach. So for me, it's it's always being open to having a discussion, um, understanding what the goals are, and then figuring out you know, the most creative ways possible to achieve those goals. I also can say, you know, specifically at Wellington International, we are really focused on creating um, sponsorships that are very targeted. So if you want to reach grooms, we're going to work with you to create sort of out of the box way to do that. Um, And then also creating these like larger, more comprehensive sponsorships for businesses that want to be with us for all 13 weeks or, or even in some instances all year. So mm-hmm. um, it's just understanding the whole picture and how you create those opportunities specifically for the businesses and how they'll communicate best to equestrian. Yeah. I think a lot of that transcends outside of sponsorship too. I mean, you can apply all of those ideas no matter what type of business you have or how you're trying to grow it. Yeah, I, I definitely know that I'm on the board of a uh, standard bread adoption program, and we struggle to get sponsorships and raise money. and And it seems like you're constantly going to the same people over and over and over again. So I think that probably having um, a lot of flexibility in the packages that we would offer would be helpful so that we could, you know, say, hey, you can target this or that or, you know, we can get your message across differently. Yeah. And some of the areas that we have like focused on to change are let's just not put signs up on the fences. You know, that is important, but let's create other avenues for advertising rather than just doing signs. So whether that's super targeted social media or putting more ads on the live stream or trying to integrate ads into our on site, um, our on-site opportunities, you know, that's a, you know, we have these hydro stations now that we're putting ads, you know, digital ads on hydro stations. So that's not something that you see all the time. Um, when you connect to the Wi-Fi now, eventually at some point ads might pop up on the Wi-Fi. you know, those are much more targeted opportunities that, that, you know, regular, you know, air quote, regular businesses would appreciate, um, and things that aren't done at other horse shows around the world. So we're really trying to take a cue from major market sports and major market best business practices and mm. build that into our sponsorship. And Vanelli touched on the retention rate that we have with employees, which is amazing, especially for seasonal employees. But equestrian sports on a whole has that same type of retention rate with sponsors. You know, it's if you look at the demographics horse show exhibitors are 65% plus plus more likely to buy from someone that sponsors a horse show or equestrian sports than they are to purchase from an outside business, even if it's more expensive, simply because they appreciate the support in equestrian. So Hmm. that's a really amazing point. And when you can communicate that to people to create the relationships in equestrian and, and, build their business model around our little sport, it ends up paying off in the end, almost always. And once they get into the sport, then they end up staying there for a really long time. Yeah. And I think there, you know, probably a lot of our listeners who have their own businesses would want to sponsor at different horse shows and think that they're too small to be able to get into a lot of places. And I don't think that's true because I, like you said, I do think a lot of horse shows are trying to find new ways and new people to bring in. And I think just going to them and saying, you know, look, this is my budget. This is, or even coming to them with creative ideas as a way to reach that market for your business. I think so. And I definitely, Benelli can attest to the fact that I've brought in some harebrained ideas to her <laughs> office before, simply because <laughs> I want to integrate as many businesses as possible into WEF. We can't accommodate everything um, because we only have so much real estate and only so many weeks at, at global dressage um, and at 
the winter equestrian festival, but we do do our best to be as out of the box and open to working with businesses as we can. Yeah. And, and I, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting, yeah. but I, I think I want to just jump in and say what a great job you've done because she's, you know, Lenore and her team, we've talked upon her, her joining us and we understand that perhaps some of the entry levels of sponsorship may not be the first step for some businesses you know, on boarding with us, but we're always willing to hear what's important to everyone. And, you know, we can approach it from an advertising perspective or a hospitality perspective. We really, I think, as a team want to make uh, an offering to anyone who wants to be part of this horse show, you know, big or small. And uh, I think that's important to identify that, you know, as a group, we're working to, to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And, we have had to work really hard as a group to kind of sort out what the next generation of the venue looks like. Um, a lot of our employees have been there for a really long time. You know, I've only been there for a year, but a lot of the employees have been there for five years, 10 years. Um, so the fact that everybody has a good relationship, sits down together every week, brainstorms, communicates, figures it out. That's, I think that's what makes us the most successful um, is because we're still able to, to even through all of the fires that we might have to put out every day, we're able to keep that perspective and, and move forward as a, as a unified whole. Mm -hmm. So how does that play into your management style? Lenore? Oh, well for me, I'm a, I'm a real like hire the right people, communicate what the goals are, and then stay out of their way and let them do it. Um, I don't like to micromanage um, because I, because that's not how I want to be managed. I always try and look at things from what, how I would want people to treat me or what I would want people to do towards me. So for my staff specifically, I just communicate as much as possible, make, sure they're in the best possible place for themselves as employees and then let them succeed. Um, because I think individual success leads to, to group success. Um, you know, I'm happy that that's how I feel like the, our upper level management, Vanelli included manages myself and all of our other teams, but that's really, that's really my approach to my team. And Vanelli for you, I guess, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would say that I've I've tend to lean to naturally be a more of a collaborative type of person, and especially in operations and building out events, it, it's a lot of teamwork involved. But through my growth and responsibilities, I've had to be less involved in the day to day operations. So really, I just you know have to keep that open door policy and, and trust in our directors and and people who are you know, leading our team. And, you know, if they need anything, I'm there for them. And I'm willing to consult and give feedback and advice. But there's a little bit less of my day to day inclusion, um, like perhaps in years past, although that tends to be kind of the lean, you know, the, the way that I lean as management, but, you know, I've appreciated, appreciated even that development for myself, mm-hmm. you know, it's good to know. And do you think, Vanelli, that you have a certain strategy to resolve conflicts? Because, you know, if it, if people do come to you a lot of times with issues and problems, and how do you, um, you know, work with them on that? Well, <laughs> that's a bit of a loaded a loaded <laughs> question. There, <laughs> I mean, I really think the honest answer is it can be very circumstantial, yeah. right? So, what what are we dealing with um, in the conflict? Uh, I think no matter what, over the years, I've I've learned that you quickly have to identify what's what's in front of you and that typically they're the quicker you kind of try to evaluate different types of evaluate the situation and then figure out a solution um you know there has to be a way to talk it out right Mm -hmm. um you've dealt i've dealt with all kinds of situations over the years uh i think you know internally with a team uh, a lot of it might be emotion based. And sometimes, you know, you kind of just have to let people, like I mentioned, talk it out and be a part of it and a little bit of just a guidance and, you know, back and forth on that. Um, and I think under, you know, in my situation, I've learned, I believe over the years, and Jen, maybe you can attest that I tend to 
you know, lean composed in many conflict situations, whether they're customer facing or vendor related or what have you. You may not always feel it internally, but I think it's important that externally you maintain your composure because that keeps kind of everyone calm and it tends to diffuse whatever it may be. I mean, conflicts will always be around Mm -hmm. you. They happen every day, sometimes multiple times, and there's different situations. I think a lot of my strength may just be doing it for a long time and just trying to maintain composure and whatever the situation. Yep, for sure. And I think, yeah, I mean, the more you get heated about it, the worse it's going to be for, (laughs) for everyone involved. Um, Especially people are looking to you to solve the problem. Right. And I think you just have to, you know, right when someone's coming to you with the direct issue or conflict, you might not have the answer right away, but you kind of have to sit through and and talk out what's the next step Mm -hmm. or what's the strategy. And usually there's, there's, I would say there's always a solution to something. I mean, you just have to be flexible and adapt and make sure that, you know, you make the best outcome of whatever the conflict was. Yeah. And that you're listening to what, why they're upset, you know, and why there is a conflict. Huge. Yeah. That's the key word. Yeah. Being a great listener, taking the time. And, and honestly, I I think we joke. Sometimes I feel like that's, that could be a majority of my day, Mm -hmm. just trying to be a good listener. And uh, that's what I'd have to say is a lot to do with facility and operations and food and beverage and hospitality. It's just uh, navigating these conflicts Mm -hmm. and figuring out the next step. Yeah. That's a lot of employees that to, to like mm-hmm. have a day go by where there's no conflict. I'm probably, <laughs> those are probably few and far between, huh? Yeah. Well, and it's, it's not even, you know, you think, you think it's just employees, right? But then yeah. just in one of our hospitality venues, we have 1300 people, right? right. I mean, 1300 people, someone's going to have a, a, a day or an issue with one thing or another mm-hmm. and, and just want to give you feedback perhaps. And it, sometimes it may not always be, uh, negative, you know, maybe positive. You just have to take time to to listen to your customers and and try to make changes and adapt and just let people feel heard, yeah. whether they're your employees or your customers. Benelli's so right about that. Like there is, there are so few problems that can't be solved by just letting people be heard or say how they actually feel and then talk through that. Um, I think the other point too, you know, Vanelli is the master of conflict resolution. I definitely appreciate being able to bounce ideas back and forth with her. Cause it's, especially when we're in season, it's not, if there's going to be a problem, it is what is the problem today or right. what is mm-hmm. first, second and third problem today. Um, not all of them are big, but all of them need to sort of be addressed the same way, which is come to the underlying cause let everybody feel like they've been heard and then find a resolution that everybody can feel good about and feel like they've participated in. And then it's amazing how quickly things just kind of even out and move forward. Yep. Vanelli, what kind of experience do you think someone needs to, to manage a big facility like that successfully? You know, that's, it's, it's a tricky question. I've, you know, I, I think a lot of it honestly has to say it has to come down to maybe time, um, just kind of getting the experience in perhaps that environment. I mean, I know, you know, working at a Wellington International scale might not be something that someone can just walk into. But I think that, you know, having some similar experience, whether it's, you know, in an operational or hospitality perspective, I think really just learning over the years or having uh, people around you to kind of guide you is definitely helps cultivate your growth. Um, But also I think it's important to kind of learn on your own. I think uh, reading, you know, taking courses, uh, staying up to industry trends, uh, you know, whether they're equestrian or sport-based, I think my advice is just, it's kind of the, someone has to build it for themselves, right? So you have to put in the work and I I don't think it really comes so easy. And, you know, I've had a few interesting uh, times this season. I'm kind of going off in a trajectory, but a few young catering people stopped me the other day 
And they're like, this is, you know, so great. You know, you, you just lead our team here and, you know, you must've just kind of been handed this job. <laughs> and I, I kind of giggled and I said, you know, 14 years ago, I was hanging banners at Wellington International and working with the team and doing anything and just saying yes, and I want to learn. And I think that's just so important to instill in people that I think just believe you kind of just make it to these positions. You, you definitely have to work for it and work with your teammates and kind of learn to get that experience behind you. Mm-hmm. So I went to school for, well, I went for marketing and management, but I minored in sports administration. And yeah. I actually thought I would be a sports agent, but that did not happen. <laughs> <laughs> but the classes that I did take in the sports administration side, um, they were like facility management and stuff like that. And I thought those were pretty cool. We we had to like put together um, a golf a mock golf outing and, you know, you'd have to like um, talk about the basketball facility and, you know, how you would get sponsors and, and certain things like that. But I do think that probably starting from the bottom and just rolling up your sleeves is going to give you the best experience that you can. For sure. Right. I mean, I think to echo what you're saying, I mean, you studied sports management. I think, you know, I had a focus in hospitality with a business degree. I think generally having the education behind it, whether it's through university or through just different classroom settings is is important just as much as having a hands-on experience. Um, But I think there definitely is a blend of both that need to be part of it. And um, Lenore, you know, we've, we've talked about conflict resolution and, and, you know, listening not only to employees, but to clients. Uh, how do you manage different personalities of sponsors um, and their demands? You know, like any business owner needs to deal with client relationships. I think that a lot of, a lot of that has to do with what we've just talked about and mm-hmm. being flexible. Um, I think understanding who you're talking to every time you get on the phone with someone or get in front of someone is really important. Um, you know, approach every person as an individual and, and say to myself before I go into it, like, what is important to you? What are you going to need from me? And how am I going to execute what you need properly with my team or throughout the venue? So just being able to slow down take in all of the information and really understand what they want is key. First of all, um, the second thing is that I have found that you need to over communicate what your offerings are to everybody. So mm-hmm. I try to be exceptionally clear in all of our contracts and our packages and our meetings and communications of exactly what they can expect when they can expect it. So that that way, everybody has the actual expectation of reality rather than what they what they think it's going to be. Yeah, I find that so many times when people get upset, it's because they they have they think it's going to be one thing, and then it turns out to be something different, and they feel blindsided. So if mm. you just take baby steps, over communicate. Um, <clears throat> Handholding is not the right word, but it's Mm. sort of the right sentiment is just saying, we're going to do this together and I'm going to explain what's happening every step of the way that makes people feel a lot more comfortable. Um, And being able to take negative feedback is really, really important. I think that having, having to develop a tough skin Mm -hmm. is a really critical skill, especially for women in business, because I think women tend to take things more personally. <laughs> you know, we're like nurturing and we want to fix everything and, you know, we'll put a bandaid on it. But being able to just sit down and talk to someone and take the feedback, even if it's not good, take responsibility for the things that you could control or can control or creating solutions for the things that might have been out of your control at the time. Yeah. I think that's really, really important because I also have found that when people sit down and they give you negative feedback, nine times out of 10, they understand that you can't fix it, (laughs) but at least having you recognize where the breakdown happened and knowing that you're going to put steps in place so that it doesn't happen again will almost always um, alleviate the issue to some extent. And 
I, yeah, just being able to take responsibility and be accountable and hold yourself accountable to the fact that you're providing a service and, yeah. and, and providing it properly every single time makes a big difference. I think a lot of times people, like we said, they want to be heard and they just want you to say, I'm sorry, <laughs> that's not going to happen again. And right. like, I th- I've seen people change as soon as you say that and be like, oh, you heard me, you recognize that there is a problem and that you want to do something about it. That yeah. really, I think, can change the way a lot of conversations go if you're having an issue. Yeah, I definitely have gotten comfortable with leading with an I'm sorry that you've had an experience that you weren't expecting. Why don't mm. you tell me how you feel and let me know how you think I can fix it. And then if it's not in line with how it can actually be fixed or um, if it's not, in, you know, just understanding sort of where the issue started, how it progressed, and then how you solve it and make sure it doesn't happen again is important. Um, and I'm not a big proponent of apologizing just to apologize. Right. But I'm a big proponent of taking ownership of the fact that something didn't go according to plan yeah. and understanding where that breakdown is. In my experience, nine times out of 10, things didn't go according to plan because the plan wasn't communicated effectively in the first place. So that's mm-hmm. where the over communication comes from. But then also if, if you do something wrong, just be like, man, I'm, I did it wrong. I'm really sorry. It's not personal, but I'm going to fix it. Yeah. Get, gets it solved. And I think a lot of times as a manager or a leader, you're having to apologize and fix something that you didn't do. Like you're not the one who messed it up and, but you are the one taking responsibility because you are the leader yeah. and that's what leaders do. Yeah. But that's, listen, like making mistakes is how people learn. So Mm. I always tell my employees like, or people that work for me on my team, if you make a mistake, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But just tell me that you've made the mistake so that I have as much information as possible to get out in front of it and help you fix it before it becomes a real problem or so that we can communicate how we're going to fix it together especially with young employees, like, and there are a lot of young people coming from college that want to be an equestrian. They're never going to get everything right. It's not their job to get things right. It's their job to, to learn and to take feedback. But what I never want, because it happened to me in my, you know, previous lives is I don't ever want them to get feedback that they can't turn around from, you know, I never Mm -hmm. want them back to be so negative that then they're afraid to do anything at all. So I take responsibility for my employees' mistakes because they probably are somehow my fault. <laughs> like I probably <laughs> could have communicated to my employees better to or overseen the work better to make that not happen. But also, you know, I want to take that experience, that mistake and turn it around to be a learning opportunity for them so that they don't make that mistake a second time. Right. Um, I also, this is, was really important to me from, um, you know, one of my previous roles, but it's a huge benefit to me at Wellington international and working for Vanelli and, and with Michael stone and David Burton is you're never in anything alone. Like if you tell them like, this is my issue and I don't know how to fix it. They're right there with you communicating the fix together. I've never been hung out to dry. Mm-hmm. I've never been in a situation where I feel like they're not going to help me find a solution. And I think that is a huge benefit to people taking that fear factor away and knowing that no matter what, it's going to get sorted out. That that's important. It's not that there aren't ramifications or repercussions or whatever, because of course those things exist, but it's just knowing that you are part of a team and the team's going to pull together to, to figure it out makes a really big difference. For sure. Vanelli, can you talk a little bit about um, some of the, the different um, um, teams that you've run? Cause you, you haven't just been over the teams at, 
uh, like seasonal employees, employees at WEF, but also you've worked on projects, right? As like a project manager, a development um, of new venues or, you know, improving in venues. So can you kind of talk about um, how you, how you work with those employees versus like day-to-day regular employees? Right. Um, like you mentioned, I think, I mean, I've done a lot of different project management on a, on a build scale. And what we mean by that in working with these vendors are, you know, whether they're your tent vendors, uh, electrical, restrooms, uh, construction, really. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a bit of a construction industry, although it may be temporary. I mean, down to concrete footings and different things of that sort. So it's, it's a bit more of facilities related. Uh, that's been in many projects we've done, you know, through, through the years in New York or North Carolina. And I think I would say, if we're kind of touching on a bit of the obvious here, it's a male driven environment. Mm -hmm. So quickly, you're the only woman in the room of 30 contractors specializing in their skill set, which maybe you don't know as much as they do, but you need to encourage them and lead them to your build or what your needs are you quickly have to develop a lot of respect from them that you know and are capable to put this whole puzzle together, whatever it may be, whatever circumstance it may be. And I think a lot of that comes through communication and organization because the more knowledge and, you know, awareness that you're giving back to them. Again, I think we've touched on this topic, how important communication is. And if they are working with one another and you're coordinating that in such a facet that's kind of a well-oiled machine and kind of making sure that you're putting out the conflicts as they come, because like any construction build or what have you, there will be many. Uh, I think they start to learn and gain a little more respect for you. And you have to have great respect for them. I mean, I admire all these vendors I've worked through the years and I've almost been willing to learn alongside them. I ask a lot of questions. I try to understand how it all works because I think it's important for me not to set unrealistic expectations from them as well. So they kind of share with me, you know, what they can get done and the time frame and things of that. So it's just developing a strong relationship, but also gaining that respect. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's, um, got to be a really difficult job trying to keep all those men organized. (laughs) Because I just think about how hard it is for me to keep my husband organized. I'm thinking about today as my friends were moving horses and um, her husband changed the plan three times Mm. on on organizing and trailers and everything. So that's a lot to to coordinate. Again, I don't want to get in the whole like male versus women and types of things. You know, we've touched on it a bit, but the reality is I think I tend to think that we're a little bit more type A at times. <laughs> uh, we tend to make our list and organization and, you know, they, they kind of, and I don't say that the men need that. I think it's just really vendors. I mean, there's yeah, plenty of women right. I work with too in the field, but I think that, you know, perhaps their skills are more of kind of the trade that they're in tune with. And I kind of help build the framework around it. And again, it's just communication, communication and communication. You can't reiterate things enough. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and if there's changes, you, you have to make those adapt, you know, the changes alongside with them. And it's, it's been an interesting few years in the industry. And actually I, I, I thrive in it. I enjoy it. I love all the partners I've been working with over the years. And I think just developing those relationships and keeping in touch with them have been, a great thing. So, and I also think like uh, applying it to any business owner who has to, you know, if they're making a product and they have to deal with different vendors to get different parts of their product, you have to stay true to what your vision is and what your goal is in working with these people. Mm-hmm. And they may know the best way to pour concrete, but if you're saying that's not the way that it's going to work for us, then, you know, you have to be able to tell them, you know, this is what we're trying to achieve and I need you to help me right. achieve it. And, and still, you know, the flexibility is there, but 
that flexibility has to still guide you towards the final product that you need. And I think too, I mean, sometimes they think that if you're, if you're younger, if you're a woman or this or that, that, you know, they might be able to, you know, again, put that label on, oh, well, this situation, you know, it's going to be a soft approach. Well, I, I tend to lean very reasonable. I'm very fair, but I'm stern. And if someone's not getting the work done that I've asked of them, we've made changes. Right. And, you know, I think once a few people notice that you've made a couple changes, you know, again, just because you might outwardly seem like a nice, easygoing person, we all have a job to get done. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can't be you can't be weak in those environments. Um, and sometimes it's had to come with a with a change in a certain vendor or what it may have to be. And they might be surprised. But I know what my my goal or my you know ask of me is in my job. And we just need to get it done. Right. I like so echo what Vanelli says in terms of, you know, you don't, you can be fair and you can be easygoing, but having really strong boundaries is important when working Mm. with different vendors. I also, again, not to, to do the male versus female, but I feel like we're so lucky in this industry because women for the most part work equal alongside men like the horses are really the differentiating factors in our industry. You know, it's so many people that were riders or whatever. It doesn't, you can be a groom. It doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl, you can drive a truck. It doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl, like you can jump big jumps or do half passes. It doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl, like our industry is unique in that way because we are very equal almost always coming up the platform. So I feel like in some instances in other industries where women might not be able to communicate on a level playing field with men, that that doesn't happen so much for us because we almost always have an equal voice. Um, I also know so many women in leadership in the equestrian spaces or around the equestrian spaces um, that have had more opportunities to be in leadership than people in outside outside, you know, quote unquote, again, real jobs. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Benelli's, it's amazing. I think it's changing. Though. Mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely changing. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you take a look around our management team here at Wellington International, we are a women-based, you know, organization. Uh, I would say more of the women in our managerial in that mm-hmm. position. So, uh you know, and I think even from a construction perspective, uh, you know, Jen, you may have noticed too some shifts, uh, you know, studying facility management or things of that sort that might have seen different, more women in the courses or different things of that's that nature. But yeah, um, yeah, we are lucky to be in this industry though, because I think there are a lot of women to look up to and, um, and model after, you know, in different roles in the industry. So I think, you know, kind of touching on that, Lenore, do you, are there, is there um, advice or experience that's helped you be successful that you've received? Um, I think the biggest thing in, in my background, um, you know, going back to what we were talking about before and like what we did in college I had an art history degree (laughs) um, I had grown up on a horse farm and had ridden horses all my life, but I wasn't going to do this as a living. And then I had to, had to make a change when I graduated college in 2008, because this was the industry where I was going to get a job. And this is something I knew how to do and make money. And I just feel like I wouldn't have been successful if I hadn't built on all of the experiences I had from before. So you know, and when I look where I am now, I think part of the reason why I'm so effective, because I hate calling myself successful. um, (laughs) But part of the reason why I'm so effective is because I'm able to say, you want to market to grooms? Oh, I was a groom. Like I have an idea of want to market to them or, oh, I'm an amateur equestrian. I know what I would want to see out of the venue to have someone market there or I was a marketing professional. So let's make sure that all your marketing deliverables in order, like 
what's going to bring the most ROI for your business. So I'm a really big believer in, you know, leveraging your experiences and also being passionate about what you do. I love what we do. I can't imagine being in a different industry, no matter what it is that I'm doing in that industry. Um, And also, you know, being really committed to giving the best product you possibly can day after day is, is important to me. Um, Being the best and being accountable for having things be the best is I think really important if you want to succeed at anything. Yeah. And I, and I will echo for you that you are, and have been extremely successful. She's doing a great job. The sponsorship oh, portfolio nice. has been growing immensely. And uh, really the team has, has really grown under her leadership. So you. if you won't say it, Lenore, <laughs> you're doing. See, that's what work. women do for each other. We'll, yeah. uh, we'll <laughs> say it for you. And, <laughs> so interesting, you know, just like on a personal note, Vanelli and I are next to each other in offices and we're going a hundred miles an hour from eight o'clock in the morning until eight o'clock at night. We don't actually get to chat, but, um, you know, I, as much as I can, I try to give Vanelli the feedback. Like I heard how you handled that situation and I'm really impressed or, you know, I hear that this is an area where there might be some stickiness. Let me know how I can help. You know, I just think that always being there and being aware of what's happening around you and a team makes a big difference. But I, I really um, look up to the women that I work with and especially all of the things we deal with. And as our venues growing, like we're all being confronted and challenged with things that we maybe didn't know we were equipped to handle and then watching us work as a team and handle it and grow is, is really cool. But can't it's it's not none of this stuff happens in a vacuum mm-hmm. so and takes a village Vanelli, is there advice that you've received um that you think has helped you in your career who um i mean i think I, I think i harbor a lot around i i i really have some great mentors in my life um, both male or female, and, and some of them are even within the organization through the years of working for some pretty amazing people. So I think always having that at a young age um, in, in other industries as well and finding a mentor and getting that guidance has been really, really a, a blessing and important to, to have. Cool. Well, we had such fun talking with you and hearing more about what you do. And at the end of each uh, episode, we ask our guests the same questions. And Connor starts with the first. Okay, we're going to start with Lenore. What is one action that women can take to make a big difference in their lives? Be informed. There's nothing more important than knowing what you're talking about and, and being able to stand on your own two feet. So really being informed, I think, is, is, is an important in leveling the playing field. Oh, I, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. And Vanelli, how about you? Oh, that's stoly. Okay, I'll jump off a little bit. <laughs> it was be informed, but, but knowledge is power, right? So just keep that knowledge, uh, stay ahead, you know, listen to your colleagues, employees, and just, you know, be present. And Vanelli, what's the best habit that keeps you motivated personally? <laughs> you know, I wish I would say this is exercise. <laughs> you did do Pilates uh, twice. Yeah, twice, maybe. <laughs> it's not. I'm working on it maybe in the summer. You know, I think I think I just try to be grateful. I like mm-hmm. have, you know, whether it's not a gratitude list that I write every day. But I think, you know, sometimes when you have a lot coming at you that might not be so positive at all times, you kind of have to sit back and reflect and kind of put that in a box and then just say, you know what, I'm really grateful for all of these different things. And, you know, part of it is working in this environment, but sometimes you kind of have to take yourself out of the work mode. And I know this is cheesy. You can take it for how it is, but just keeping a smile, Mm -hmm. Because like, I think if you just keep a smile on your face, even through, you know, whatever you're going through, it, it triggers just natural kind of your brain to think 
keep positive, keep happy, keep grateful. And I just, I tend to try to have, you know, keep myself grounded and do some volunteer work and just, Mm -hmm. you know, be involved in the community. And we all have a lot to juggle in life. So I think just keeping a positive outlook and keeping your mental health is really important. Yeah, I think there's scientific studies behind like uh, smiling and positive self-talk that it actually generates that. Podcast for you there. I just (laughs) handed one to you. (laughs) I'll be a special guest on Right. (laughs) Uh, Lenore, what's the best habit that keeps you motivated personally? Uh, Mine is actually exercise. Um, I create time at the beginning and or the end of every day to exercise. I find that if I do it first thing in the morning, which is my preference, it helps me to get sharp and get focused. And it also, I feel like I've just done something really strenuous with my body. So there isn't anything I can't do throughout the day, you know, mentally or emotionally. Um, I'm not as good at smiling all day, every day. Like <laughs> me, either. Uh, <laughs> I also have like a, like a long face. So I always look like I'm frowning for some reason, but we're going to keep trying that smile thing. That's my <laughs> Um, or like if I have to exercise at the end of the day, it's really just like fluffing off the stuff that happens, um, and just getting rid of it and not going, not going home with the stress, mm. um, I also, when things get really stressful for me, I take a step back and my mantra is like, this is not curing cancer. You know, this is not life or death. This is not curing cancer. Like we're with horses in the most beautiful place in the world, jumping sticks or doing ballet. Like you got (laughs) to just keep things in perspective and be great, be grateful, but also say like nothing's insurmountable and We'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, Vanelli, what's your favorite horse movie? <laughs> um, okay. True fact. I don't remember the last movie I watched because I fall asleep. <laughs> fast. I'm really a terrible movie person. I can't really say that I can identify a favorite horse movie, but I did watch the Yellowstone series. And just, okay, you know, just the cinematography there. (laughs) It has horses in it. Listen, horses are in it, and I didn't fall asleep, and they're beautiful, and the nature just did it for me. So probably not the answer I should have given, but I'm just being honest. (laughs) Lenore, do you have a favorite horse movie? I when Lenore tells me hers, I'll have a viewing of it and hope I don't (laughs) know. No, you will. You will absolutely. I'm almost embarrassed to say it out loud. Um, uh, what I, what I would like to recognize is that Vanelli's not actually a horse person. A horse like, person, yeah. Ride, like Vanelli's entire life. You're going to take me on some trail rides. Yes, and we, we'll we will do that. Um, so Vanelli gets a pass, but Yellowstone is a horse thing. Um, mine is a very old movie from the early 90s called Into the West. And hmm. it's about two brothers um, that find a magical horse and it changes their whole family's life. And it's really lame, but... <laughs> that's a new one we've never heard that we've, we've one never heard of that one on amazon it is um it's a lot but here it is that's my that's my favorite cool and lenore who would you recommend to be a future guest on this podcast so this one um was pretty easy for me it's liz soroka um i've worked with liz in many different capacities at many different horse shows for a long time, almost my entire career. She is the head of our exhibitor services at WEF. She is part of the team that makes the Hampton Classics happen. Um, She's a really amazing, hardworking, high-functioning, like, badass woman. And so I would, like, love for people to get that behind-the-scenes perspective on, on how things work from her because, you know, things don't just happen, you know, there are people back there that make them happen and they don't always get the recognition they deserve and people don't always know everything they do. So I'd love for you guys to talk to Liz about that. Cool. And Vanelli, uh, who would you recommend? I recommend having Anne Caroline Walton as a guest on your podcast. She's our executive director for the great charity challenge and also our community liaison 
and the impact of that woman in Palm Beach County is amazing. What she's done for the community and charities, I think she would be so interesting to listen to. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. And it was so much fun talking to you. And um, I think people will get a lot out of, you know, the experience that you two have had, you know, as a horse person and a non-horse person in the equestrian industry. So thanks for talking with us today. Yeah, thanks so much. Thank you, ladies. It was fun to be able to talk to Vanelli and Lenore together. Um, I've known Vanelli for a really long time, and uh, I've lived with her in Wellington for the past couple winters. So <laughs> we are oh, roommates she, as well. <laughs> she's the one that you were roommates with? Oh, that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. They're, they're super nice. And I mean, she's that's a big job that she has yes. at WEF. <laughs> that's a lot of employees. When she was like 500 people, I was like, oh my gosh, that's I know. like <laughs> amazing. And I loved that she mentioned herself that she came up. I met her first when she was an intern in the sponsorship uh, division at WEF. Um, we started the same year there in 2010. Um, so I think it's really cool to see how much she has grown. And, um, you know, now she's executive vice president for yeah. the operate, you know, for everything. So it's really awesome to see how successful she's become uh, because of all of these um, assets and attributes that we talked about today. Yeah. And you know, I, I also um, thought that Lenore, you know, coming up through riding and, and having all that experience, but one thing that she said was about like leveraging your experiences, mm -hmm. which I feel like Vanelli was, you know, also kind of talking about, but um, with Lenore, I was like, you know what? I feel like that's kind of how um, my career has evolved is that I've leveraged, you know, my knowledge of the equine industry um, to put me in a good spot and, and do be successful in the job that I have now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that she said she didn't want to be an equestrian because she grew up doing that with her family. But I, I think a lot of uh, young people feel that way when they've had to do it their whole lives. They just want to oh, get yeah. away from it. And then they realize, oh, well, this is still what I love. I just need yes. to find a different way to be involved. Oh, yeah. I know. I absolutely identify with that. I mean, we've talked about it before, you know, getting burnt out on horses because I grew up with it my entire life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I'm like, but it's what I love. It's a passion. And it, and it's what's helped make me successful in the job that I have. Yeah. And I think, you know, just being able to have that experience and that knowledge is what makes you so successful in what you do. Like you understand all of the different parts that go into keeping horses sound so that you're able to yeah. explain these products to people. And, um, and like Lenore said, you know, she's a rider and she can understand what people are looking for when they want to market to certain audiences through mm -hmm. sponsorship. Yeah. And then I'm, I mean, obviously that's, how you built your business too, right? Yeah. Is and and having that knowledge of the horse industry and you know what people want and looking at it from a perspective of you know how can you improve things mm -hmm. for sure. So it was but, great to talk to them. Yeah, I do have to say one thing though when we were talking about um, organizing and being organized. So I saw a TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> of course, <you> did. <laughs> of course I did. And it was really funny because the woman was saying that if you are a go with the flow person, you are not just going with the flow. There's, there's a type A woman in the background who's carefully made lists and organized everything. So you've been able to go with the flow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's all exactly the things you didn't see leading up to being able to go with the flow. Yeah. And I was thinking about Vanelli when she was talking about, you know, coordinating all these different contractors and whatnot. And I was like, mm. yep. <laughs> totally. And then on the surface, she's smiling and, yeah. you know, <laughs> ready and can take on all of those different parts of the job. So yeah, yeah that's great. Definitely. Yeah. It was a, that was a, a fun conversation and a little bit of a peek behind the scenes of such a big operation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's cool to be able to share, you know, what goes on there and, and how 
incredible that team is too. And I am super excited about working with them for our networking event. Yeah, it'll be so cool. And, um, you know, Vanelli always does such an amazing job. And um, like she mentioned at the end, Patty and Courtney, who um, work with her for events. And I think, you know, it's not going to be like the summit was, but I think it'll still be really special to get all these different women together to be able to meet and get to know each other and um, and have something in person again. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a great opportunity for people to come see the Grand Prix, drink some mm-hmm. champagne, and meet incredible women. So we better get back to planning some more stuff for that. So mm-hmm. we're going to find the links to today's guests and the show notes at www.eqbusinesswomen.com. Equestrian B2B is out twice a month on the 1st and the 15th. You can find out more at eqbusinesswomen.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Find Equestrian B2B wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave a review. You can have all 20 plus shows of the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go with their free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Now go build your team. 